Blog Talk Radio. I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to focus on the tenets of Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome, and I, I just happen to be a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of my Ryrie Study Bible, and you may use any Bible you wish or which you're comfortable with. And I have had many spiritual experiences, and actually my book on those experiences, What's in Worship, 
is at the editor. So please pray for me so I can keep that going. And um, I'm also just focused on being my real self and just carrying the message. It's all I'm doing. I'm not grinding the axe. And I'm not trying to do anything to anybody. I'm just reading the Bible every Sunday morning and honoring my higher power. Uh, the call-in number is 619-924-9744. And Sacred Sundays airs every Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So please tune in. And you can also listen to afterwards in archives and because uh, we're reading straight through the Bible. And it's been quite quite a interesting adventure. So let's do our opening prayer as we bow our heads and try to clear everything out and all the stress and anxiety and the push-push of every day. Let's set aside some time now to read the Bible. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And we pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide. Uh, I don't know what's going on in this world. But their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. And we pray for those lives who are taken for distorted and evil reasons. And we believe they become martyrs. We pray for all those suffering from violence here at home and abroad, both. We pray for those who are sick in mind and body and those who are lonely and uncomforted. Please, God, forgive us our sins. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes. And we pray for freedom from addiction of all kinds. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect all of your loved ones all over the world. And we do ask all your special protecting angels to watch over everyone and us personally because we need all the help we can get. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We pray mercy for the hopeless and the helpless. Please, mercy. We also pray for our president and the rest of our policymakers that they have many decisions to make. And we are praying for the rest of our policymakers all over the world. Um, you know, there's problems everywhere, and there's suffering everywhere. And we please God, have people make the right decisions. Thank you, God, for everything. And we ask Jesus to bless us, help us grow under his care and knowledge, help us to thrive under his care and belief. And we thank you, God, for all of this. And we keep everybody and their families in our prayers. And uh, amen. God bless you, everybody. Okay, happy birthday to everybody that has a birthday today. I wish you a very happy and blessed birthday or anniversary or any other special event. Uh, if you wish me to, to to wish somebody special your happy birthday, just let me know and I'll do it. And it's every Sunday morning, you know, you're here at 11 o'clock in Pacific Standard Time. So I'm just here doing this. And since we've been doing this, now we started in the New Testament and uh, – we're actually only one more chapter and we're done with Corinthians and then we move on. So uh, it's been going uh, a week by week. It's kind of incredible that we've gotten this far. So anyway, if you don't have a Bible there at home, get to www.biblia.com, B-I-B-L-I-A.com. And I really like it. It's an online resource and Bible. And uh, we've been reading uh, Second Corinthians and it's all about Paul and he's having problems with the Corinthians. 
and that's the that's the main issue uh here that's been going on so uh before we read it i'm going to read the notes and uh we're having a problem because uh paul and the corinthians aren't seeing eye to eye the corinthians are kind of flashy kind of people they want to uh they like the big superstars and they don't realize paul is a superstar to us but anyway but they they want uh, people doing magic tricks and everything else, and he's been dealing with false apostles and all that. So this week we're reading Second Corinthians chapter twelve, and it starts out. Uh, I'm going to give you the uh, the summary first, and then we'll we'll read it straight from the Bible. And um, let's see, I'm having a little issue here, and uh, thanks to s h m o o p dot com that uh, helps me with my summaries and everything. There are a group of uh, Harvard and Yale students, and uh, they do the summaries for all these things, and uh, they're quite incredible. So here I go. Let me get this so I can see what I'm doing here. Excuse me. Please, please bear with me for one second. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter 12 summary. He had a vision of heaven, but wait, you want more Corinthians? You got it. Let's talk visions. Paul had those too. One time about 14 years ago, Paul was caught up in the third heaven. Yeah, that's right. Paul's vision was that he was transported to paradise. He saw all kinds of things, things he didn't tell people about because God is pretty secretive about what's going on in heaven. Unless you've been there, then we hear all those stories. Every, but Paul has his, every Paul has his thorn. Look, Paul hates all this bragging. After he, he had this amazing vision in heaven, he had some medical problems. He says, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. That doesn't sound good. Whatever happened, it seems like some kind of illness. Paul prayed three times for the misery just to end already. Finally, God told him to knock it off. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. When Paul comes from his third visit to Corinth, their money still has no no good to them. So he's not accepting the Corinthians' money. After all, parents support their children, not the other way around. So Paul is one proud papa. So even though Paul swears up and down that he hasn't taken any money from them, there's still some suspicion around that he is somehow trying to scam the Corinthians. There are rumors floating around that Paul may be keeping a little bit of the money for himself. And Paul mentions Titus and the other guy he sent. Remember them from chapter 9? Anyway, to defend himself, none of them have been dishonest at all. The rumor mill is at work. Look, everything Paul says is for their own good. He's heard the rumors about all kinds of bad stuff over there, too. Fights, jealousy, anger, selfishness, gossip, arrogance, and sexual immorality. Because the Corinthians were known for that. Things sound pretty juicy in Corinthians. Anyway, Paul's not looking forward to more heartache. So he's going on his way. So this is another letter that he's going. So let's start reading. So get out your Bible, and we're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul's vision. 12. Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable. But when I go on to visions and revelations on the Lord... I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a man was caught up into the third heaven. 
And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard an inexp- heard inexpressible words which a man cannot is not permitted to speak. On behalf of such a man I will boast, but not on my own behalf I will not boast, except in regard to my weaknesses. For if I, I w- do wish to boast, I will not be foolish, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from this, so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from the exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Hmm. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that, my, that he might, it might leave me. And then he has said to me, My grace is sufficient unto you, for power is perfected in weakness. Okay, that's what we have to learn. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses and and with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Then Paul's unselfishness. I have become a foolish you yourselves compelled me, and actually I should have been commended by you. For in no respect was I inferior to the most eminent apostles, even though I am a nobody. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance, with by signs and wonders and miracles. For in that re- what respect were you treated as inferior to the rest of the churches, except that I myself did not become a burden to you? Forgive me, this is wrong. Here, for this third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden to you, for I will not seek what is yours, but you, for the children, are not responsible to save up for their parents, but the parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be expended for your soul. I love you more. Am I, am I to be loved less? Hmm. But we, but be that as it may, I will not burden you myself. Nevertheless, crafty fellow that I am, I took you in by deceit. Certainly I have not taken advantage of you through any of those whom I have sent to you, have I? I urged Titus to go, and I sent the brother with him. Titus did not take any advantage of you, did he? Did we not conduct ourselves in the same spirit and walk in the same steps? Okay, so these are concluding remarks. Appeal for repentance. All of this time you have been thinking that we were defending ourselves to you. Actually, it is the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ. And all for your upbuilding, beloved. For I am afraid that perhaps when I come, I may find you in, to be not what I wish and maybe find you to be not what you wish, that perhaps... There will be strife, jealousy, anger, tem- angry tempers, disputes, slanders, gossip, arrogance, disturbances. I am afraid that when I come again, my God may humiliate me before you, and I may mourn over many of those who have sinned in the past and not repented. And then he says at the end, the impurity, immorality, and sensualities with which they have practiced. So, as we said before, 
you know, there's still these problems, and uh, we have one more chapter to go, and then we'll find out the answer to what happened in Corinth. So uh, let's read the notes below. It says, Paul speaks here of a personal and actual experience that he was caught up into heaven and given revelations that he could not speak about. This occurred in uh, uh, A.D. 43 before it's Paul's first missionary trip, caught up. He was seized as in the future rapture of the believers and the third heaven on paradise, God's dwelling place. Paul wanted to be judged only on the evidence before their eyes. And this seems to have been some recurrent physical affliction, migraine headaches, eye trouble, uh, malaria, and epilepsy all have been seriously discussed. But... See, see the note on Galatians 4, 12, 15. Paul views it as the work of Satan permitted by God for a good purpose, uh, keeping him humble. The purpose is keeping him humble. And it could not be uh, relieved through prayer. So the power of Christ in him is more important than freedom from pain. Having the boast and defend himself made Paul feel foolish. And then the miraculous signs that accompanied uh, and thus authenticated Paul's ministry at Corinth, and by uh, implication of the false teachers had not done any. So, anyway, they two changed lives validated by the ministry there. And then, do you think that I made you inferior to the next of the churches because I did not take money from you? So there's just like a ongoing miscommunication and dispute and... Um, Hopefully, uh, poor Paul will straighten it out in the next chapter. So we'll go on to that next week. So then I'm going to do a little story. As you know, I love this little book. Now, I read um, every week either out of the guide post book I have or out of um, other meditation books I have. So this morning, I'm going to, let's see if I can find a new story in this guide post. Sometimes it relates directly to me, and it's really kind of hard to read it. You know, it's uh, emotional. So let's just ask God to help us find a story that will help all of us. Okay, it's called Homecoming, and this is by Deanna Spencer of Daytona Beach, Florida. So let me... I have my computer up here at the same time for uh, production, so... I appreciate everybody's patience here. Okay. So this is by Dana Spencer, Daytona Beach, Florida. The summer of 1984 was hot, even by South Dakota standards. Parching winds blasted across the plains, raising a storm of prairie dust, and and nothing cooled off in short, restless nights. Each day seemed to melt into the next. Even now, a dozen years later and about 2,000 miles away, there was a day from that summer branded into my memory, the day Dallas came home. A golden haze hung in the morning air as I made my way to our garden, our garden, crunching over the, a swarm of potato beetles that had arrived in the night. I gazed in the direction of a stream that, that lay behind my neighbor's house, and I thought about how cool and fresh a quick dip would feel. And a moment caught, and then a movement caught my eye. There on the edge of our property appeared our old border collie, standing in the shimmering heat. 
his feathered tail high in the air, his tongue spilling out of his dripping muzzle, as if he had just taken a long, cool drink from the stream. Sure as I stood there, it was Dallas. I would know that quizzical cock of his head anywhere, how he lifted his ears up the way humans raise their eyebrows. Dallas, where you come? Where did you come from? I gasped, going to him. He had taken form almost like a mirage. One minute he wasn't there, the next he was. Were my eyes playing tricks? He had no business being anywhere near our house. Months earlier, we had been forced to give our eight-year-old daughter Carmen's dog to the family miles outside town. I still remembered the look of, the look of puzzled concern in Dallas's eyes as they drove away with him. But he had become increasingly hard to handle as he grew up. Not a bad dog, mind you, but extremely vigorous one. This dog needs a job, Arvitz said with a chuckle. What he meant, he explained, was that working genes in Dallas were dominant. This breed originally developed to herd, and Dallas still has a, a strong dose of that instinct, he explained. We tried to make Sharman uh, understand that her dog would be happier on a big farm, that if she really loved him, she would let him go, but she took it hard, and in the end, I thought it was better to whisk Dallas off rather than make a big to-do about his departure. Charmin was heartbroken for a time. He seemed to get over it. Then she seemed to get over it. However, I still wondered if I had done the right thing. And in my prayers, I asked God for some reassurance that I had behaved like a good mother. Now, here is Dallas before my very eyes. I had heard dogs traveling great distances to return to their previous homes. But it would have seemed logical for Dallas to have done that when he first gave him to the farmer months ago. As far as I knew, he was happy. Maybe on this sizzling summer day, one of God's angels led him way back to say a formal goodbye to Charmin. Charmin, honey, come here, I called back to the house. Hurry. Sooner or later, we would have to connect, contact the farmer and let him know Dallas was safe. But in the meantime, I couldn't wait to see Charmin's face when she saw him. I ran back to the house and met her on the porch and led her down to the stream. Her mouth flew open and formed the word Dallas, but no sound came out. Their eyes met, and he nuzzled his head into her cupped hands, and there was a contented weariness to him. He rolled on his back and invited Charmin to uh, squat down and scratch his matted chest. We spoke to him quietly, and left them, and I left them to themselves for a few minutes. Then I walked back to our yard, and I fed him some leftover bacon and eggs and toast crust for breakfast. He sat politely as we, we taught him how quickly he made food disappear. He needs a bath, I said to Charmin, crinkling my nose. I had sent her inside to get an old towel and her brush that still bored Dallas's teeth marks on the handle and got a bottle of dog shampoo. Then I, ha- I hauled out the hose I used to water our garden and we proceeded to give Dallas the works. Poised patiently on a patch of grass, Dallas basked in all the loving attention as I combed out the snarls in his thick coat. Running my hands across his fur, I studied his familiar markings the symmetrical black coloring in his ears, his frothy chest, and then his white paws. He sure was dirty, I told Charmin when we were finished. That farmer must be keeping him busy. By then, we all needed a nap, so we curled up together in a pool by the shade and lilac bushes. I dreamed of an angel carrying Dallas through the wind-whipped sea of tall grass. A while later, the sound of my husband, Jim, coming up from the drive woke us, and I waited and called him over. Look, it's Dallas, I cried. It's him, all right, Jim declared, giving him an affectionate scratch behind the ears. I'll be. We agreed it was time to contact the farmer, and Jim went inside to find the number. 
Charmin, Dallas, and I followed, and the dog waited on the porch as we went in, giving my hand a lick as I closed the screen door. Jim phoned while I had a little chat with Charmin about the dog. I was afraid she had grown attached again. I wanted to make certain she understood that, excuse me, <laughs> Dallas had to be returned. Honey, maybe we can go visit Dallas from, from time to time. Would you like that? And she nodded and said, sure. I was a bit amazed at how calmly she was taking it. It was as if she and the dog had come to an understanding. Jim hung up and looked at me perplexed. I just had the strangest conversation, and they won't be coming for the dog. What? I said. It won't be coming. The farmer says it's not Dallas. Of course it's Dallas, I insisted. He says it can't be. Dallas was badly hurt in an accident a few days ago, and he had to be put down. For a moment, we were all thrown in silence, and I went to the porch. Dallas, I cried, leaving the door open. Sorry. But there's no Dallas to see anywhere. God works in amazing ways in our lives. We can't always explain how. The only indication that Dallas had been there was the old wet towel flapping on a clothesline. We all have our opinions. I'll say goodbye properly. They saw him again, nor did anyone in the neighborhood ever spot a dog that looked anything like him. Dallas had gone to his reward. Home at last. Sorry, I cried about that. Um... I do believe that our animals go to heaven. I really do believe that, and that they have a, a living life too. And I look forward to seeing, uh, you know, my pets that have passed. And uh, God bless them. You know, they've all. I was just—it's so weird. I was looking at a picture of a little bird that I had. His name was Roscoe. He's a little zebra finch, and I had him for so many years. He lived to 15 years old, 15, 16 years old. And um, I called the vet one time, and I asked them, uh, how long do these little finches live? She said, well, between six and eight years. I said, he's 16. And she said, oh, my God. But he had three wives and plenty of babies and I think about 250 children. And the last batch he hatched himself, and what an amazing little bird. And uh, I was missing him. I was looking at a picture of a zebra finch just today, and it's strange. I was at work. And uh, it was around, I was trying to say goodbye to him. And uh, so I would always, when I left for work, I'd, I'd change his water, do his food. And this time I did it, and I was saying goodbye, looking in his cage. And he, he was in his nest, and he turned his back on me. But before he turned his back on me, when I was looking, he turned totally white. And zebra fishes are not white. They're gray and black, and they have black stripes and little red cheeks. Anyway, he turned stark white, which startled me because even his eyeballs were white. It was just like a, a pure uh, clay, white-looking bird there. And it startled me so much, I drew back and went, oh, he doesn't want me to look at him? I couldn't figure it out. It was like a little vision. It was strange. So I went to work at about 11 o'clock that next that you know, morning. I was doing a group, a therapy group, and I was working out in Long Beach at the time. And uh, I had a vision in my mind's eye, and, and something like hit me in the chest, like oh, like a I don't know how, to, like a startled, uh, strange feeling. And in my mind's eye, I saw my little bird Roscoe flying to heaven, like he thought he was flying to heaven. And so when I went home from work that day, he has, he was passed away. He was in the nest, 
he had passed his way, and uh, I took him out. He wasn't white, but I think what he did was warm me away because he knew how much I loved him, and he just wanted to die alone. And now he's in heaven along with uh, our other animals. That's what I believe. So anyway, let's say the closing prayer, and uh, God bless everybody, and thank you for tuning in. And in closing prayer, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful day when we start it with you guys, and I look forward to seeing you next week, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. See you then. Come back next week. God bless you. And may God keep you in his loving arms so you have the strength to face whatever is ahead. And remember, you're never alone. Bye-bye.